0: hello this is chris
1: and i'm sean
0: and this is monsters and mythos a podcast where we take a look at the races and monsters of dungeons and dragons and compare them to their folkloric and mythological counterparts today we're doing more of a grouping rather than a specific monster uh mostly because none of them probably have much variation from one edition to the other as well as pretty much having one story about them and so we're just titling this one the children of echidna and and
1: for those who don't know uh you know uh they're not so connected in the in the various realms of D D. but that would be you know the the hydra the sphinx and the uh chimera all you know some fairly recognizable enemy names amongst the you know the halls of rpg gamers today uh they're not necessarily connected per se via via the many realms of of D, but uh you know definitely worth talking about
0: almost oh, definitely and there's a lot of fun you can have uh, especially if you do bring in that familial connection later on uh but uh, we'll discuss that as we get towards the end um as always let us start with uh, the Dungeons and Dress Dragon aspects of these creatures.
1: Okay, so uh, you know, so first up, the Chimera. Uh, what is a Chimera? Uh, aside from a large, chaotic, evil monstrosity, uh, this uh, Chimera is often described as a beast with the hindquarters of a goat, with the upper torso or front quarters of a great lion, uh, accompanied with... Uh, dragon's wings and sitting upon its shoulders are three separate heads one for each creature so the head of a goat the head of a lion and the head of a dragon five feet tall at the shoulder ten feet long weighing as much as 4,000 pounds these ambush predators are not to be trifled with on land or in the air dangerous and territorial a terror in the realms of D&D for sure. Uh, some lore in D&D says that the chimeras were created when mortals uh, summoned the prince of demons to the mortal plane. Uh, bored with the wildlife seen around him, he melded the beasts together into this furious, uh, ferocious monstrosity, and uh, you know, giving birth to the chimeras upon the mortal plane. A permanent reminder to the entire realm as to the dangerous and evil ways of demons. This uh, three-headed beast's separate heads each invoke a, a powerful trait or quality upon it. The goat head grants a powerful stubborn streak, enabling the beast to fight to the death on a whim. The lion entity compels it to hunt and kill powerful creatures that threaten its territory then of course the dragon entity aside from a fully functional breath weapon and uh, c- this this head in particular uh, compels the beast to raid to plunder to accumulate great a uh, great hoard it also makes them surprisingly intelligent known to oca- occasionally make deals with travelers or adventurers as well as form alliances with other entities for food and a healthy horde uh is anything of like my chimera what you are bringing it from your research
0: uh, the description is definitely there uh with the lion goat and a lot of sources say snake versus a dragon but you still get that fire breathing aspect the creation story is definitely going to be different as well as some of the abilities but that is one tough SOB.
1: Alright. Okay, so, next up on the docket, uh, the Hydra. What exactly is a Hydra? This beast looks like a giant reptile with a forest of heads, heads upon its shoulders. Each held up by long, slender necks, a reptilish horror. A crocodile-like body and, you know, uh, and many many serpentine heads uh, known to be voracious and dangerous creatures known to sometimes uh, hunger f- in like a, have like a hunger frenzy eat its own heads alongside its enemies um, so kind of a different little tidbit that I had found there um, aside from an ever-present ravenous hunger and its many heads seeming to compete for food Turns out Hydras are excellent swimmers and have been known to be able to hold their breath for up to an hour or more. Extra reasons to avoid fantasy lakes, rivers, and oceans. Uh, The the D&D lore origins of this beast here are are basically that an evil dragon god was slain by the evil Tiamat, queen of dragons, and this god's blood was splattered across the cosmos and then to the many realms, and that every drop of this dead god's blood became a hydra, and that they are consumed by hunger only equal to the fallen god's hatred, Uh, usually containing somewhere between... 5 and 10 heads, each head compounding its lethality, uh, often on the prowl for new hunting grounds, a, a fantasy fave for testing adventuring parties' metal across the realms, and of course well, the iconic power being that uh, for every head you remove to grow back in its place. So is my uh, Hydra pretty close to the one you were uh, finding IRL?
0: It definitely has some of the same, uh, attributes, and it's one of those creatures that is so, uh, iconic that I don't think you could change too much from mythology to any other system. Uh, that being said, they really didn't eat other heads as there was one, uh, primarily. It's just, once you got rid of one, you had two, and then four, and then you're just up shit's creek. (laughs)
1: <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, yeah, I noticed it in the uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons versions. Uh, the uh, challenge rating varies depending on how many heads the Hydra has. So, <laughs> okay. So, and uh, last but not least, the Sphinx. What is a Sphinx? Well, uh, what they look like kind of depends on a few things. Uh, at least in Dungeons and Dragons, anyways. The more modern additions seem to deal with a lot uh, um, of the male and female variants as they seem to be universally more well-known. The androsphinx, or male sphinx, is often described as being roughly the size of a riding horse, a tawny lion-like body with great falcon wings and a humanoid face. They are always clever and generally good-natured, known to be savage, while often outwardly gruff and bad-tempered, they are also also known to be you know, noble at heart, uh, and uh, one of their one of their prominent powers is uh, a roar ability that you know uh, fears deafens uh, knocks uh, nearby enemies prone and you know delivers some force damage. It's kind of a, a, you know a, a kind of a unique, uh, almost like breath weapon, but not quite. Um, uh, so you're moving on from there to the more female version a gynosphinx or the female sphinx uh, is the counterpart to the androsphinx often described uh, as roughly horse size a, a, tawny, a tawny lion-like body and a female humanoid face similar in disposition to the androsphinx but not oh um, but not also not always uh, it's often described as sorry <laughs> mister often described as having a habit of seeking out new and intellectual challenges, uh, puzzles and riddles and other such delights are highly sought after by this type of sphinx. Uh, so, often do sphinxes of both sexes find themselves guardians of knowledge, uh, often manifested upon the material plane as guardians or or you know stewards of knowledge in some sort of servitude to, to some deity or other forces to be reckoned with. Uh, often b- brought to the material plane as a result of uh, direct prayer or divine intervention, or sometimes both. You know, uh, roughly ten feet in length, pushing uh, eight hundred pounds, inherently magical, and you know an adversary of note to many. Now, in some of the older editions, the Cryo-Sphinx and the uh, Heraiko Sphinx. I have no clue if I said that right are also mentioned, and uh, both universally uh, known to only be male versions of the Sphinx. The cryo-sphinx described as looking very similar to the andro-sphinx, except with the head of a ram. Uh, this type of Sphinx often lacks intelligence, uh, the, the intelligence of the Androsphinx or the gynosphinx. Uh, it's neither good nor evil. The uh, cryo-sphinx typically pursues either wealth or the company of a gynosphinx. The Harako uh, Sphinx, Harako Sphinx, Sphinx, i don't know. I'm sure I'm butchering that word. <laughs> they are often also described as similarly to the Androsphinx, Sphinx, though with a falcon head instead of a humid one. And this is the only generally evil variant of the Sphinx. While not particularly intelligent, they are all too happy to hunt and maul victims, and are also occasionally known to seek the company of Gynosphinxes. Uh, while not raiding or hunting. So, uh my version of the Sphinx hold up to your version
0: of the Sphinx? Uh, definitely with the Gyno Sphinx versus Andro Sphinx. Uh, they took that, and it seems to be from the two locations where Sphinx stories are mostly told. Uh, male versions coming from Egypt, whereas female versions come from Greece. Uh and then you know crossmate that way but definitely the greek version of sphinx is going to be different from the egyptian version and so they probably played up to those differences as well
1: right and so well i mean and that's all that's all i've got from a D &D standpoint on our trio of baddies today you know i'm eager to hear how the chimera sphinx and hydra come together in some real world lore So, you know, the, uh, the mic is yours. (laughs)
0: Thank you. Uh, so yeah, the reason we grouped them together is because a lot of these creatures primarily come from Greek mythology. Uh, and in that aspect, they come from two sets of parents. So before we can really break down the creatures, and there was definitely more than those three, so we'll discuss some of the others uh it's important to understand the parents uh first of all the mother echidna uh echidna was born to the sea goddess cito and the sea god four she was described as being half woman and half snake the upper half being a beautiful maiden the bottom half well a snake uh and she was said to be a flesh-eating creature so you know Tricky with the beauty, and then rip you to shreds. Uh, Echidna ended up taking a mate named Typhon. Uh, Typhon was the son of Tartarus, which is the manifestation of the worst part of Hades. And Gaia, which is the personification of the Earth. He was described as being incredibly powerful, had 100 snake heads at his shoulders, and these heads would spew fire. So, I'd say a, probably a CR one half rating. Uh, other sources described him as having wings and being humanoid from the waist up, and instead of legs, he had two snake tails, and he would breathe fire himself. He was said to have a cruel temperament and was like any mortal or god. Uh, the big story where Typhon is introduced, is that he was born explicitly to attack the gods as gaio did not like the way her children the giants were treated um they were supposed to be allowed to roam free once she helped the gods conquer the titans and zeus said nope and locked them right back up so she said all right well i'm gonna have a child to kill you then um and so he fought zeus for the right to rule and after many years of battle. Zeus finally defeated him with his thunderbolts and burying him under Mount Edna, and that's why they say Mount Edna spews fire today. Uh, And and this association with giants, which is why he was probably later described as a giant himself. Uh, Both characters were actually uh, shown in the show Hercules, the continuing journeys with Kevin Sorbo i started watching it because i wanted to see all the problems that they used uh in the show and well starting with the name since we're talking greek his name is heracles hercules is his roman version so i will refer to him as heracles as we discuss some of his tales but they showed echidna as being a mostly snake woman who wanted to kill heracles for killing her children and i would say that's a very uh honest take on it i mean you kill my kids i'm i want to kill you too and then they had typhon being some large bumbling oaf who is actually good-hearted completely different from the typhon of greek mythology who well probably would have killed heracles as well and so now that we understand the parents Uh, when you discuss their offspring there's been three real authors uh Hesiod of Paladuras and Hyginus, who talked the most about them uh some agreeing on parentage some disagreeing and then such as Virgil you have a few other mentions but none as focused as those three were so to start off we'll discuss the three that are similar to what you discussed in which we have stat blocks in D and D official that you'd be able to reference. Uh, first up with that will be the Hydra, or in this case the Lernaean Hydra. So the Hydra was a single-headed beast that was outside of Lerna, and it would eat people as they came by, and so. Heracles' second task of his ten labors was to destroy the Hydra. And this was set up by Hera to kill him. You know, hoping he would fail. So he goes and he fights and he chops off a head. Thinking he won, woohoo. And then two heads came out. So he kept fighting, chopped off more, and more kept coming back. And the reason it's believed that the Hydra ended up with so many heads is in art. You had uh, depictions of Heracles fighting the Hydra, and it had one head. Or it had nine heads. Or it had 50 heads. And since people don't like to not have their stories match up, somebody said, oh, well, that's because these are different stages. So you fought it with one head, then it got more heads, and then it got even more heads the more you cut it off. and..." Part of the reason this fight was so dangerous is the Hydra's blood is poisonous. Uh, So you would definitely get a poison addition to it. So if he got any of that poison on him, it could kill him. Uh, His nephew, Iolus, who may have been inspired by Athena, grabbed a log on fire and had, or helped, Pericles cauterized the neck whenever a head was chopped off. So that a new head could not grow back, and it was in this way that Heracles ended up defeating the Hydra. After which, he took some of the Hydra poison, put it on his arrows, and would use that in later tales, including the one that led to his eventual death. Uh, An interesting side note is during this battle with the Hydra, when Heracles was winning, Hera sent forth a giant uh, crab. To try and distract him enough that the hydra could get a kill however nobody noticed the crab and it got squashed and as a thanks for at least trying hera put it in the stars as a constellation which is what the constellation scorpio or cancer is now after the cancer of the crab so if you are a cancer and you believe in zodiac signs you're star sign is a minor figure that did nothing in a story so you know take from that what you will
1: such a legendary bout that you know just being crushed by it made them legendary in their own right i guess weird
0: <laughs> exactly uh, so then we get to our next story of the sphinx The sphinx in greece was a half woman half lion and of course the woman half had to start at the waist so that they could get boobs in i mean people talk about how we sexualize everything today but if you look at ancient sculptures if it was a woman depicted especially in monster form she had to have tits there was just no getting around it (laughs) Uh, and then you go over to Egypt, and that's where you get like the Sphinx that has the likeness of the pharaoh Khafre, and more of the Adro Sphinx, and this one is more benevolent and wisdom and all the positives. Whereas the Greek Sphinx is more cunning and a killer and vicious. It's uh, really only one story where she is focused. And that's of our friend, Oedipus. Have you heard of Oedipus?
1: Oh, indeed, a few times.
0: (laughs) So for those who don't know, I mean, there is a psychological condition named after Oedipus called the Oedipus Complex. And that was coined by Sigmund Freud. So the tale is that when he was born, his mother and father found out that through an oracle that he was to kill his father and marry his mother and they said no so they sent him to be left off into the uh world for nature to kill him and take him away that did not happen and it said he was given over to another king and queen who raised him to adulthood and when he heard a rumor that he may not be uh their children he went to see an oracle as well and found out the same information you will kill your father marry your mother so thinking that this king and queen were his parents he then set off just running away didn't say bye or anything and on his way he came across a set of crossroads and there he met a man on a chariot and they had an argument as to who got the right to go first And in the end, Oedipus killed this charioteer. Continuing on his travels, he comes up towards the kingdom. And he hears the tale that the king has died and the queen would remarry. However, to remarry the queen, you have to kill the Sphinx killing travelers on the road. So he says, done. And he goes to find the Sphinx who had the thing of telling a riddle. And if you are unable to answer it, killed you, Uh, and he solved it. The riddle mostly says, What takes one breath, but walks on four legs, then two legs, and then three legs? Or, What creature has four legs in the morning, two legs in the afternoon, and three legs at night? The answer being man. You're born, you crawl on all fours, you walk on two legs, and then in old age, you have a cane, so you're walking on three. Uh, the Sphinx then, out of frustration, either A, fought Oedipus, and he killed it, or B, committed suicide, because she got beat in a riddle contest. A sounds more fun, B sounds... I don't know, just, like,
1: crap. Yeah, well, little, little crazy.
0: Uh, Oedipus then ended up going on to marry the queen, found out later that the queen was his mother, and the charioteer he killed was the king who was his father, thereby fulfilling the prophecy. And so with the Oedipus Complex, it's that guys want to kill their fathers and marry their mothers. Last, we have the Chimera. And just like in D&D, the Chimera has three parts. A lion... Then, the tail of a serpent, and a goat in the middle that spews fire. And incredibly hard to kill. I mean, you got something that's tough, spitting fire, attack you from every angle. He ended up being killed by Bellerophon, who ended up taking, uh, capturing Pegasus, who we remember from the Medusa episode, and using Uh, Pegasus to avoid the range of the chimera but because he was flying he could not get close enough to actually kill it. Uh, What he ended up doing was taking a large lead piece attaching it to a stake or lance and shoving it into the mouth of the chimera where the heat ended up melting the lead until it choked him to death. And thus The Chimera was killed.
1: That's kind of a brutal Uh, way to do it, don't you think? Jeez.
0: Hey man, when you can't get close, you're going to do anything. Especially if it means you die if you fail. I guess. (laughs) Bellerophon then ended up causing his own death by taking Pegasus and trying to fly to Mount Olympus to be with the gods. So Zeus killed him with a lightning bolt. Hubris. a good thing to have (laughs) and so those are the three that you discuss however there's another three that for the most part have been agreed on by these original authors the first one being cerberus the three-headed hound of hell uh his job is to stop souls mortals from entering hades as well as to prevent souls from escaping and he does it pretty well and Cerberus himself is a very popular character that shockingly doesn't appear really in a DD uh original sourcebook though you could find uh third party makers who have definitely created stat blocks for him the next one is Orthrus and this is a two-headed dog not as cool as three heads which is why he doesn't get such a large tail and such a cushion gig as it were uh instead Orthrus ended up working with a three-headed giant to help protect his crops and then heracles ended up killing him with a club or piercing with arrows so so far out of five kids Heracles has killed two. He's fought in Cerberus, but he had to capture him without killing him or harming him if he wanted to take him up to complete his labors. So that one ended up living, whereas these other two died. So we're starting to see this dislike and hatred for Heracles, I'm sure. Uh, The next one is the Namian lion, and this was actually Heracles'. First feet. This lion had a hide that could not be penetrated. So you couldn't stab it, you couldn't shoot it with arrows, and kill it. So instead, Heracles ended up killing him by choking it out. You know, I definitely would have to be strong to do some shit like that. But he got into a chokehold, and choked him until it died, and then he had the hide cut off and used it as a cloak to help protect him in further battles. Uh, next we have the... Well, let's see, what was it called? The... Caucasian Eagle. Or Caucasian Eagle. This eagle is by far the least talked about. Uh... In the tale of Prometheus stealing fire from the gods and giving it to humans, the punishment for mortals was Pandora and the releasing of all the horrors that went on to plague mankind. The punishment for Prometheus was to be chained to a rock and have his liver ripped out and eaten once a day by this eagle. And since he was a titan and immortal, his liver would grow back. And he suffered this punishment all the way until, again, as of one of his labors, Heracles came, killed the eagle to unchain Prometheus. And our kill count grows. The next one is named Ladon, And this was the dragon that protected the trees in Hera's garden. And... In his eleventh labor, Heracles had to capture these apples, so he ended up killing Ladon with a bow and arrow. And then Jason and the Argonauts found a still twitching Ladon. So, in some tales, Heracles adds another notch to his kidna's kid kill list.
1: I can see why she doesn't like him by the end.
0: uh the next last one that they really kind of agree on is called the crimeone sow and this was a pig named after a woman named phoeia who is also sometimes called a sow uh this one was eventually slain by theseus and then had himself uh cursed another dragon as well as a two and three headed dogs and a lion that can't be slain and no D&D stat block on them. I think that lion would definitely be one hell of a battle to have.
1: Uh, I'm sure there's homebrew stuff on it but yeah, it would be cool to have like you know, some official content on it. That would be interesting for sure. <laughs> and
0: then the last three that I've even remotely been associated are Gorgon, which we discussed in the Medusa episode, some of its other creation myths, uh, this one just being one of them. The Scylla, who is one of the two uh, monsters that either get ate by a dragon or you go down into a tidal pool maelstrom type deal, and then the Colchian dragon but how can you play this i think one thing it does and hercules continuing journey did bring up that would be a great overreaching arch is you have a few of these boss battles and they're all related and then the very last thing you fight of this whole story is one of the parents that's coming after you no matter where you go because you had the audacity to kill her children
1: Oh Yeah, I, I like how like of these three characters well, you know even just coming from a D&D standpoint um, they're all like kind of uh, a, a blend of things like the the Hydra is multiple snapping heads at once all eat, eat, wants to eat you you know, but then like uh, uh, I feel like the Chimera is kind of a blend of creatures alongside the Sphinx also kind of being like a blend of creatures well, I guess the Hydra is uh, kind of like a, a a blend of like a crocodilian slash serpentine kind of mix, but I like how they're all kind of like, you know, uh, uh, blended uh, somehow from, from one thing or another. And, you know, I, I don't know how to maybe work that into the narrative somehow, like, you know, uh, you know a great magic schism of some kind or something, you know.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. And I mean the chimera itself being the obvious mixture of uh three creatures also really lends its name to why when you combine two creatures they are considered chimeras it's like the uh, species designation i mean you look you have good uh examples of these with the manticore tail of a scorpion or such wings of a bat and some tails, and the body of a lion with the head of a human. You then have the griffin, part eagle, part lion. The hippogriffin part horse, part eagle, and various others. And then, of course, you have the most famous chimera, which is the one from Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, I remember that
1: episode.
0: (laughs) Yes, and you just show a picture and people will yell at you for how it's still too soon and not right, because it definitely is a dark episode. If you haven't seen it, watch it. You don't need to know anything else really about the show to just understand how dark this episode took. And it, you know, kind of, uh,
1: you know, D&D, that's kind of what the... You know it's like the demon lord that they accidentally summoned from hell you know was the one that uh, uh warped this creature and kind of like cursed the planes or whatever it kind of yeah uh, follow a similar line you know like kind of just like the chimera literally only only exists out of like existential horror and things you know
0: <laughs> yeah not something you'd really want to come across in uh everyday life and thankful that it doesn't like there was one in its tails and if that became a more common beast i think i would just stay home all right well that's what i have
1: Do you uh, yeah. have any once, questions uh, there,
0: please?
1: uh not anything in particular once again you uh taught me some stuff i didn't know anything uh i i i recalled that there was a bird that like t- tormented a titan But I didn't know that it was that bird (laughs) eating the liver and whatnot. And then I had no idea that there was also the the two-headed dog. So it's like, those must have been tales I missed in Greek mythology.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Cerberus got all the uh, fame and fortune, and Orthos just got, you know, footnoted.
1: Uh, Nice. Um, Well, I mean, if uh no i don't i don't have anything to add if you guys want to tune into me and chris doing more nerdy shit go check out uh tater brain pod all one word uh youtube channel uh um how about you You got anything you want to add
0: yeah uh if you have any questions or comments you can reach out to us on email uh which is monsters and mythos all spelled out at gmail.com we are also getting out on socials uh trying to you know not be schmucks and <laughs> have quiet pages but we have a thread at monsters dot mythos on x formerly twitter at monsters underscore mythos instagram at monsters dot mythos or facebook monsters ampersand so the at symbol mythos so come find us say hi uh leave a review where you can so we could try and enter in many more ear holes and bring another level to people's Dungeons and Dragon's game.